Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We will be in Revelation chapters 19 and 20. And we're going to be talking about the final victory of God over the, all the enemies, including the devil himself, the Antichrist and the false prophet. So in the last two chapters, uh, John has showed us the destruction of the kingdom of Antichrist on earth, uh, the destruction of the great whore, uh, spiritual Babylon, the destruction of both the economic and the political uh, system that Satan has set up, going way back to the, to the days of Nimrod and the Tower of Babel. Uh, we've seen in chapter 12, uh, we witnessed the beginning the weakening of the kingdom of darkness. Uh, we saw that the dragon, he failed to destroy the man-child. He failed to destroy the sun-clothed woman. He failed to destroy her seed. Uh, he failed to secure the kingdom of Antichrist from destruction. Uh, Satan's plan and purpose is once great power that reached all the way up to heaven was being reduced. He was cast out of heaven. He lost both wars he waged against God. Uh, his last bastion of defense is earth now, and uh, he's about to lose it. So this is the final battle that is going to end, uh, that's going to be waged by Christ when he returns to earth, and he will be the victor over Satan. Satan will be defeated, and his kingdom on earth will be completely destroyed. So this is a very exciting chapter. This is a chapter that details to us and reveals to us Amen. The blessed hope that we have in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and the kingdom that he will set up that will last for a thousand years on and throughout eternity. So let's go ahead and pray and we'll get started. Father, we thank you today. Lord, we just ask that, Lord, that you open up the ears to hear and the heart to understand. Father, God, bless the words of the mouth and we give you praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus name. And we thank you for your word today, Father. Amen and amen. All right, let's begin. Revelation chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Alleluia. And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord our God omnipotent reigneth. So we see here the voice of much people in heaven, which is the redeemed church in all of her glory and in all of her purity. Uh, the church is giving praise to God for the destruction of the great whore and the smoke of her destruction that rose up forever. And this passage gives to us the great hallelujah chorus of all the saints. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, so and we're going to see here that as we get further along, we're going to see a uh, the type and the shadow of the Jewish wedding. But I want to go ahead and read to you 
a verse of scripture that's found in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 18, reading through verse 24. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? So we see the great hope that we have in Christ Jesus, the fact that everything that he said that he would do, he will do. He will complete it. He will finish the work in righteousness. Amen. And I'm so glad to be a part of that. And I hope you are, too. All right. Now, in verses 19, 7 through 10, we're going to look at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said to me, See thou do it not, I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus, Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So we see here the marriage supper of the Lamb, which is the great uniting of the redeemed church, the bride of Christ, with the Lamb of God. And we see the bride is described as being arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, which is the righteousness of saints. So if you are a born again child of God, you're a part of the bride of Christ. Amen. That will be one day united uh, with her uh, with her Lord, the, the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ. And also notice that this voice from heaven declares a blessing upon all those who have been called to this marriage to participate in it. And John is so overtaking with the personage that he falls down to worship him. But he is rebuked for doing so and admonished to worship God only and no one else. Amen. Praise God. Now, in verses uh, 11 through 16, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written, which no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies, notice that armies, which were in heaven, followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, 
that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. So this passage opens with the description of the Lord Jesus, the King of kings, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, and he's coming <clears throat> to take possession of the earth. And notice how his vesture is dipped in blood, meaning that he is a man of war. Now, I want to read to you Isaiah chapter 63, which is typical of uh, the Messiah who is coming uh, to return to earth. Notice Isaiah 63, beginning in verse 1. Who is this who comes from Edom with garments of glowing colors from Bozrah? This one who is majestic in his apparel marching in the greatness of his strength. It is I, the one who speaks in righteousness, mighty to save. Why is, your red, why is your apparel red and your garments like ones who tread in the winepress? I have trodden the wine trough alone, and from the peoples there was no one with me. I also trod them in my anger and trampled them in my wrath, and their lifeblood is sprinkled on my garments." And I stained all my clothes for the day of vengeance was in my heart and my year of redemption has come. And I looked, but there was no one to help. And I was astonished that there was no one to uphold. So my own own arm brought salvation to me and my wrath upheld me. And I trampled down the people in my anger and made them drunk with my wrath. And I poured out their lifeblood upon the earth. So when Jesus returns, he's not returning as a lamb. He's turning as a lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's going to take vengeance on all those who have ruined the earth. And this is speaking specifically of the Antichrist, the false prophet, uh, the dragon who we'll see in the verses to come that will be restrained. And of course, all those forces that have followed the Antichrist, all those that have received the seal. Now, this is not all of humanity that's going to be destroyed. There are some that have held back. Notice going back where Jesus was talking about, or rather John or the voice from heaven was talking about all those that fear the Lord. There are those that have not accepted Christ as Savior, but yet they're smart enough and wise enough to fear God. These are going to be allowed. They're going to be spared. They're going to be allowed to go into the millennium. Now, notice also that, that uh, John describes that out of his mouth, the mouth of Jesus on, on the white charger, out of his mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword, which is the word of God. And it is the word of God that will smite the nations and defeat the Antichrist and his armies. The word of God being spoken out of the mouth of the one who is called of the word. Now, notice also another psalm that has uh, that depicts uh, this this time that we're uh, studying right now. Psalm two. Why do the heathens rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. 
Yet have I set up my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for my possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and ye perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. So it is Christ himself coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and there's, there won't be anyone like unto him. No one will be like unto him. And it is he who will personally tread out the winepress of God's wrath. Amen. And so now we come to the great battle of Armageddon. This is in verses 17 through 21. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. And so we see here an angel standing in the sun and is calling to the vultures and the carrion-eating fowl to come and devour much flesh. And we see the entire army of the Antichrist along with the false prophet. They're standing in the valley of Megiddo to, to defy the Lord of Lords and to attempt to war against God himself. Remember, this is uh, Satan's, the dragon's last line of defense. He has nothing else to fall back to. This is it. His back is against the wall. You'd think that somebody in that position would, would relent and surrender, but not, not the dragon and not the Antichrist and not the false prophet and not the armies that follow him. These men are fighting unto the death, and they don't realize that death means eternity in the hell, eternity in the lake of fire. So the Antichrist, we see him and the false prophet, they're cast alive into the lake of fire and brimstone. And we see the remnant of the army, they're slain by the sword which proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord, which is the word of God, and the fowls are filled with the flesh of the dead. Now, that's a horrible end to such and such a tragedy for humanity. But I want to read to you Psalm 110. This is a psalm that has to do with the Messiah. Notice what it says. The Lord Adonai said unto my Lord, the Messiah Jesus, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord Adonai shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. 
and rule. You will rule in the midst of your enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power and in the beauties of holiness arrayed in holy garments. For the, from the womb of the morning thou hast the dew of thy youth. Your vigor will be renewed each day like the morning dew. The Lord at thy right hand, the Messiah Jesus, shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries, and he shall punish the nations and fill them with their dead bodies. He shall drink of the brook in the way, but he himself shall be refreshed from the brooks along the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head and he shall be victorious. So we know that this psalm speaks of the Messiah Jesus. The Lord Adonai hath sworn and will not repent. He will not change his mind. Thou, Messiah Jesus, are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So thus ends the tragic story of the rebellion of man upon earth. Man who in their life upon earth chose to stand against the creator of the universe. And as in the beginning of the Garden of Eden, when the serpent beguiled Eve and Adam, by, and by transgression they fell, so it is at the man. Man being deceived by the dragon into thinking that he could be God by defying and rebelling against God, they are all defeated, and they all will spend eternity in condemnation and torment in the lake of fire and brimstone. You know, some may complain and they may say, why would a loving God send anyone to a place of eternal torment? Well, it is in the book of Revelation and it explains why. Man who is sunk into total depravity and in the complete darkness of sin, even though God has sent many judgments, which those that dwell upon the earth knew that these judgments came from the throne of God, all in a final attempt to get them to repent of sin and wickedness, they would not. It's not that they could not repent. They would not repent. And that's the awful tragedy. And this kind of lawlessness committed by eternal spirits can only be confined in one place, and that's the lake of fire. And it is there that they will receive the reward of their wickedness, which is eternal torment and separation from Almighty God. That is the most horrible, horrible tragedy of their reward is eternal separation from God. So now we're going to move to chapter 20. And chapter 20 includes the binding of Satan into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. It includes the millennial reign of Christ upon the earth. It includes the loosing of Satan after the a thousand years are ended for a short season, uh, the destruction of the last rebellion and the final judgment of God at the white throne and the throwing of the devil himself into the lake of fire. The great tribulation now has come to an end, and the return of Christ to earth has come, and the millennial reign of Christ will commence, and his righteousness, his righteous reign, uh, will prove that he is just and the justifier of them that believe in Jesus for a thousand years. Christ reigns over the entire earth, solving all of world's problems, making the earth to blossom, uh, healing the earth, healing the nations, filling the hungry, satisfying their souls with goodness, and through his mercy and through his truth. 
And Christ's righteous reign will also prove that the depravity of the nature of sin in the human heart, that even though natural man has experienced peace and tranquility for a thousand years, yet when Satan is loose for a short season, a multitude beyond count will align themselves with the devil against the rule of Christ. And these rebels will be destroyed in a moment of time and will spend eternity in the lake of fire. And once again, a sad end to all those who had the opportunity in these thousand years to accept Christ and to follow his plan and purpose, but rejected God's plan of forgiveness and God's plan of salvation in Christ. What a horrible end uh, to the human race. Now, Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. And I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a grain chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up, and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed for a little season." You remember there was an angel that came down with a key and opened up the bottomless pit. And we saw the plagues and the demon hordes that came out of that pit. And now Satan himself is thrown back into that bottomless pit. And that pit is locked up and sealed so that he cannot get out for a thousand years. Now, the phrase a thousand years is mentioned six times in these verses, verses two through seven. And of course, that's what the word millennium means. It means a thousand years. So Satan is bound at the very beginning of the millennial age. And the binding of Satan takes place immediately after the destruction of the false and the false prophet and the Antichrist who are thrown alive into the lake of fire. And notice here that the devil is bound by a single angel. At one time, the archangel Michael would not contend with the devil concerning the body of Moses, but just simply said, the Lord rebuke you. But now we see that Satan's power has been so reduced that a single angel, angel is able to take the devil and throw him in the bottomless pit. So we see here that the decline of the power and the authority of the devil. The devil is bound. A seal is placed upon him, upon the bottomless pit, and he's cast into this pit and the entire length of the millennial age. Now we're going to see here that late, Satan is later loosed at the end of the millennial reign, but it's for a purpose, and that is to bring complete cleansing and the destruction of sin in the human race. All right, now verses 4 through 6. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads and in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection." On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So the first resurrection, this is the resurrection of the just. And notice it says they are blessed and holy. 
Now, the first resurrection is not just a one-time event, but it takes place in different phrases. We know that because Paul wrote in the Corinthians, in Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, states that Christ was the first fruits of those who had died or fallen asleep. So the first resurrection includes those who are raised at the rapture, and we must include all those who are raptured during the Great Tribulation. Now, the second resurrection will be all those that have tasted the second death, and these will be resurrected to stand at the white throne judgment, and we'll read of that as we go along. So the Apostle John sees men sitting on thrones. <clears throat> these evidently are men who are seated upon thrones, and of course, you know, Daniel saw that. Uh, Jesus records that in Matthew uh, G, uh, John, uh, I mean, Paul uh, uh, refers to that in the first letter to the Corinthians. Now, John here doesn't mention how many thrones there are, but just thrones implying there must be quite a few of them. And so now John sees all the saints who were beheaded. These would be the saints from uh, the fifth seal. And John also implies that these souls are tribulation saints who refuse to yield to Christ, to the Antichrist. Uh, they refuse to receive the mark in their forehead or in the right hand. And John mentions also the rest of the dead, being all those who refuse uh, to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that they will participate in the second death, which we're going to read about in a minute. And all these saints are said to have partaken the saints of God have partaken of the first resurrection. These saints are, they, these are the ones who are the priesthood of God, and they're the ones that are going to uh, reign with Christ throughout the millennium and into eternity. And of course, you know, Daniel mentions this. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which stands for the people, for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time, and at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to ask everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And of course, the Old Testament also speaks of the millennial reign of Christ. Amen. Both in Isaiah, mostly in Isaiah. And so this is going to be a great time of, uh, of the reign of Christ, and we're going to see so many things, and there's so many scriptures pertaining to the millennium, uh, more than I could quote here. But uh, this is going to be a great time. I mean, this is going to be a time of the rule and reign of Christ and his just and his uh, powerful reign and how that uh, the nations are going to be healed, the environment is going to be healed, all the problems that we see, all the devastation that took place uh, during the time of uh, the Great Tribulation, all of that is going to be restored. And, and then there comes the end of the millennium. Now, we're going to read verses 7 through 10. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints in the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. 
And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And notice also verses 11 through 15. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So we see here the great white throne judgment, the place where everyone who is lost and who is without Christ of all ages will be raised from death and hell and will be judged eternally. This place is so dreadful that even heaven and earth fled from it and there was no place found for them. There will be no place to hide from this judgment. There will be multitudes stand before this white throne and many of them throughout their lifetime upon earth that had the opportunity uh, to receive Christ didn't know that their entire life on earth was their trial. And when they died without Christ, their trial was set. And so when they appear at the white throne judgment, it will be for one purpose, and that is to hear their sentence and their sentence will be the lake of fire. So I want to say here in these last moments, if you haven't received Christ, do so now. Don't wait. Don't do not wait. Do not delay. Just ask Christ to come into your heart and life right now, and he'll do that. He'll save you and he'll spare you from this awful time that is coming, that is impending, and it will be impending upon the entire human race. So, Heavenly Father, bless these words and we give you praise for it in Jesus name. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.